Hello, and welcome to episode 333 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Ben Lacey, comic creator and writer of The Vicious Vixens of Dakuana. Ben, thanks so much for, for joining us. We're excited to, to catch up with you again. Um, for anybody who hasn't heard you on previous episodes, could you uh, start us off with a uh, quick bio about yourself and then uh, an elevator pitch for this awesome book on Kickstarter? Sure. Um, my name is uh, Ben Lacey. Uh, by day, I'm an engineer with a major corporation. I, I work in uh, with power plants. Um, I previously worked in nuclear engineering and uh, chemical engineering and on fuel cells throughout my career. But I've always wanted to do comic books. And so um, a couple, few years ago, I did my first one called Shark of War. That series has been is now in its sixth issue, and its seventh issue will, will be coming out this fall. Um, this comic book I'm presently working on is called The Vicious Vixens of Dakawanga. It's a spinoff from Shark of War, though you don't need to have read um, Shark of War to follow it. Um, it's the story of eight women being trafficked by a criminal cartel who, by a stroke of luck, escaped now lost in the middle of the ocean and hunted by their former captors. Their only hope for survival is to become the vicious vixens of Dakawanga. Very cool. Um, so you had mentioned earlier that uh, this is sort of in the same universe as a shark of war, but you don't necessarily have had to, you know, be caught up on all of the, the shark of war comics to, to right. jump in here. In issue one of shark of war, which, which everybody who backs will get a digital copy of, um, you don't have to read it, but you'll get a digital copy. And actually, you can read it right now on the uh, Kickstarter page. There's a link okay. to, to it for Shark of War 1. But in Shark of War 1, there's kind of a montage where the, the, the shark, who is a military experiment, is enforcing the law on the, uh, on the, the Caribbean. Um, and he starts going after drug traffickers and other criminals, including um, human traffickers. And in one scene in that uh, that montage of him fighting crime, he saves these women from uh, from human traffickers. But he's a shark. He doesn't really so much save them as he kills the traffickers and flies off and uh, leaves them to fend for themselves in the middle of the ocean. So after after the book came out, I started to wonder, I wonder what happened to those women? I, you know, I think there could be a good story in that. And that's that's kind of where this this story evolved from. Um, you know, each of the women, you know, has a you know some unique ability that we'll find out about through the course of the story. Um, and uh, and they their reason for that they were actually captured is is a little more complex than just simple human trafficking. And that forms a lot of their 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 escape and their their why they're on the run from the mob. Oh wow, that sounds awesome. Well, one of the things I really enjoyed about our earlier interviews when we were talking Shark of War was that, um, you know, for as out there as the concept seems, it was based in a bit of reality, right? You had sort of, um, with your background in engineering and fuel cells, there was some real science behind that. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Do I remember? Yeah, that? there's a few different things. I mean, it's it's the military at various times has tried to use sea creatures for different military purposes, um, like mine removal or or finding things, um, so so that that kind of the the idea of them using shark to try and make a a weapon of it, um, I think is is just an extension of that. The other aspect was as as you mentioned, 
um, I worked in, in as part of doing fuel cells, we were trying to convert um, natural gas or methane into hydrogen to run the fuel cells. And you're basically breaking down the fuel into a, a different form. So in the uh, in the comic book, the, the shark has been equipped with a way that when he eats people or any other flesh, he you know he makes um, oil, shark oil, which is what sharks do. Their their livers are really large, and they're they're they could be like forty percent of their weight. They have their it's full of shark oil, which helps them balance, um, stay maintain their buoyancy in the ocean. And also is a source of, you know, energy for them when they need it. Well, mm -hmm. he's been equipped with a way that will convert that that shark oil, which, you know, he makes from eating people or other things into uh, fuel to power his jet engines. He, he breaks down the fuel. And, and one of the bonus features in the back of the uh, of the comic book, the digital edition of the comic book, there's a you know more detailed ex explanation of how this fuel gets broken down from you know from oil into a a fuel appropriate for a jet engine, a, a gaseous fuel that can be used to to fire a jet engine. Yeah, I still I still every time you start talking about that, I uh, I think I get a a smile on my face just thinking about like you know at surface level we could take you know, a shark with a jetpack and, and guns jumping out of the water and doing, you know, doing crazy stuff that we would see in a comic book. Mm -hmm. But to, to, to hear this, it's just sort of, uh, it makes me sort of smile and, and maybe just sort of chuckle inside that there's actual like real science. And, you know, uh, a lot of times when, you know, as creators, when we research stuff and, you, you know, you had mentioned that, um, you know, the CIA or the um, the government had been, you know, exploring different things. It's always crazy how much you'll find that's like, you know, truth sometimes is stranger than 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 fiction. So that that that's pretty cool. Oh yeah. So, yeah, each episode of each of the Shark of War books I've done has had basically a science feature in the digital edition going through different, you know, aspects of it. You know, some of the things I, I was already familiar with, like since I was in the Navy, the idea of, you know, buoyancy and how a shark loaded down with weapons might stay afloat mm -hmm. and other things I actually had to, you know, do research on like uh, um, some of the artificial intelligence ideas um, for, you know, in this case, it's a shark with, you know, artificial intelligence implanted, yeah. but I, I was, did research on the real efforts to, you know, merge people with, uh, you know, electronics and try mm -hmm. and, allow them to uh, use their minds to, to communicate with computer devices. Awesome. So um, I know that in Shark of War, you were you were the artist and you I think maybe you had taught yourself uh, sort of a digital drawing program and painting program. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know any artists at the time. I had you know, no no contacts. You know, and I, you know, so I decided I was going to try and do it myself, but I, I don't have a, any great artistic skill. But since I'm, you know, good on computers, I started um, using a program called Daz 3D, which is a computer modeling, you know, makes it's used a lot for the video game industry kind of stuff for for rendering lifelike computer models and images of, you know, of, of things for video games. But I didn't like that look for a comic book. Uh, it, is, it looks very artificial. So basically, I took those, created the images, and I pulled them into something called Clip Studio Paint, 
where I, I recolored them and, and, you know, added some line work and stuff to make it more comic book like. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the the images that you know they don't really look hand drawn and I, I never pretend they are but they they look don't look like the uh, some of the photorealistic stuff you see in a lot of uh, you know video game kind of renders where they're trying to make it look like they're real people or something like that which yeah. I don't think work and and the art I think works well for for Shark of War where the, the main character is the shark and mm-hmm. there's not a lot of humans um, but for uh, for issue. So I did the first five issues and then for issue six, I, and for now for issue seven, I have, you know, traditional artists doing the art for that. The same for the vicious vixens of Dakawanga, um, since they're, you know, they're for the most part attractive women. I, I found an artist who, who could, you know, do a good job with that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, so I don't know if you mentioned, uh, well, I, I think you, you mentioned a little bit about this, that you were, um, you were the sort of the sole creative uh, party behind Shark of War. Mm-hmm. Did you mention anything about uh, Cthulhu Man? Because that was sort of in between this, right? Yeah, uh, basically after issue five of Shark of War, I kind of wrapped up the, the first arc. And before I started the second, I did a, another spinoff called the Cthulhu Man. Um, the idea, again, you, you don't really need to read Shark of War, but one of the villains in, in Shark of War decides she wants to... Uh, to experiment on people now, um, okay. not just not just sea life. And thanks to her connections with with the underworld, um, she's able to get human victims to to try her her experiments on. One of them, she uh, basically uses in um, the parts of an octopus, multiple octopuses, to give which um, an octopus has eight brains, um, and she implants these into him, and basically he winds up with. You know, vast mental powers similar to what a Cthulhu might have, okay. um, and he also finds up looking kind of physically like a cross between uh, a human and an octopus Cthulhu creature. Um, I think the the art. I, I think I'd have to. You'd have to see the art <laughs> to, to see it to see it. But so so that that creature, of course, uh, you know, turns out to be way too powerful for her to contain, and he breaks out and, and starts rampaging. Um, as part of the book, also she she's experimented on other people and given some of them powers as well. And we, okay. you know, we follow them, and they could be the first potential superheroes of of my of this comic book universe. Do you do you have a name for for your universe? Um, or right now, something? I'm just calling it the Shark of Warverse to separate it from you know other you know I'm, I'm not everything I'm trying to do is in that same universe. So I'm yeah. Not, so I'm. You know this this one I think of as the Shark of War universe, you know, and I'm I'm working right now on another comic book that will be totally set divorced from from this these stories and in, in its own universe. Yeah. So you had mentioned that um, you know when you first started out you didn't know anybody and you took it on yourself to mm-hmm. um, you know learn a, a a program that would give you I guess basically you're able to sort of shape the characters. Yeah, bring them in to procreate color, maybe do a little bit of cleanup there. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a preference? Do you like being a, a one-person shop or do you like having a, a team to, to work with? I think, uh, you know, I I'm, I don't think I'm the, I think there are better artists than me by far. So I prefer having 
artist to you know to work for and now that i can fund a little more than i could before mm -hmm. i can i can afford to pay pay for that as part of my you know as part of my comic book business and and you know not not basically take a huge loss so yeah. i i prefer to have artists and you know and i prefer my my main interest is more the writing anyway so so to the extent that i don't have to uh, focus on the art you know as much that's that's a win yeah um so when you started off and you were um writing um for yourself knowing that you were gonna use your programs and and, and procreate it and draw this yourself um were you a little bit more vague with your script knowing that maybe you could um work it out on the page and and stuff like that or were you, now that you're working with an artist maybe you have to give them sort of uh, you know, a full script, like, hey, I'm looking for six panels here um, and stuff like that. Uh, how does the process change for you writing for yourself or or writing for, for somebody to come in and handle the art duties? My, my own script was fairly detailed because I was mm -hmm. also thinking, because I didn't letter it. I had somebody else lettered it and I wanted to make okay. it clear clear for the letter. And, and also, I, I, I actually wrote like the first five issues out completely before I even, you know, really started doing much of the artwork at, at all okay. so i basically had the first story art kind of written so it was fairly fairly detailed now the the main thing i find is you know working with artists you know some of them are foreign too uh, i have to make sure my descriptions are you know are accurate and and make sure I'd, a couple times i've used slang terms that mm -hmm. um that you know an american would follow but a, you know non-english speaker you know reading it would be like oh what does exactly this mean so you know there's been a couple of miscommunications where i've had to be careful be precise in my language to to help them you know help them because they're, they're not all native english speakers yeah i've encountered that before that um i think the most of the folks i've worked with have come from brazil turkey or argentina so i have to make sure yeah. that um if i use sort of uh uh, colloquialism or sort of North American slang, you know, it might have to be like, oh, this is this is what I this is what I really meant. Sorry about that. That was just me sort of using a, a shorthand here. Mm -hmm. um, are there any are there um, the the creative team on Cthulhu Man and uh, Vicious Vixens? Are, is that a new team? Are you or made up of members of, of previous teams? Uh, what do you have? No, they're, they're the the artists for for um, Cthulhu Man, uh, J.C. Grande, um, was uh, is is um, different than the artist for for uh, Vicious Vixens. That's Nico Tehran. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I I kind of you know I'm trying to work with different artists. I find you know people whose stuff I like online, and or I put out a call, you know, and and um, I thought. Um, JC did really good with with monster horror type look, and I thought his art on that was was great. But I, mm -hmm. um, but for the, the the women on this, I I wanted something a little different, um, style wise. So that's that's what you know drove me toward Nico. Uh, Nico also you know does his own coloring too, which I think is helpful um, in in the process. Okay. Yeah, and so if this is you and Nico working for the first time, was there a, a process of like uh, you know seeing the pages in various states, like um, maybe seeing thumbnails? Um, yeah, yeah. I always ask for thumbnails first before we get too far along, so I see mm -hmm. the the panel layout, 
and you know a, a sketch that the art kind of looks in line with where it it should be. So mm -hmm. he does the thumbnail. The, the same with you know my my other books, all, all of them that I've had other artists. They, they do a thumbnail, then they'll do a, a more detailed pencil pencil work, and then you know usually after the pencils are kind of locked in, and then they ink it. Um, so far, all the artists I've used to do do pencil and ink. So I'm not using okay. a separate inker. Okay. And uh, is, is I, I'm, I'm assuming Nico's digital? Yeah, everybody I've used is, is digital pretty much. Um, I think the only person I wasn't digital was somebody I got a cover from who, uh, you know, I actually got the cover cover art for it after, after the fact. So I, I've offered it once on the Kickstarter, but um, it was pretty good art, but I haven't, I haven't sold it yet. So... Mm -hmm. Oh, that might be something personal. Well, that might be a, a good thing and a bad thing because a good thing is that it's in your possession and mm -hmm. uh, you get to, you know, physically hold something that you created uh, as opposed to sort of digital images and, and, and stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah. Um, cool. So, you know, you mentioned that you you kind of done a story arc of Shark of War. You've done the the first issue of Cthulhu Man. Um, what are your plans for, for vicious fixings? Is this, do you, you have you mapped it out? Um, or... Yeah, I've, I've mapped out a, several issues. Cthulhu Man was essentially something that could be a one-off. I mm -hmm. can, I, there's space for a sequel and I may, you know, I'll probably poll my readership and see if that, what they'd like me to work on next, whether that's mm -hmm. a, a, a second issue of that or following some of the other characters from that book. Um, for Vicious Vixens, uh, you know, I see at least three or four more more issues kind of the, for their, their story arc. Um, so so we'll see how it goes from there. But, you know, that's that's kind of the the, the, the least I think uh, the, the story would require. So I know things could change from you sort of, you know, situations or scenarios. But what do you think you'll um maybe could be going back to after after this project do you think you go back to to shark of war or are you maybe going to build this out a little bit to sort of catch up with uh the shark of war series no well, what kind of what i'm doing to speed my process is i have you know i i've, I've written scripts for shark of war seven mm -hmm. for this and for a, another book called samson which um, like i said it, it takes place in a totally different universe um and I'm working with different artists to keep each of those projects moving. So as they as they they're ready, I'll I'll launch them, and then I'll you know that way I because it takes artists longer to to draw it out than it takes me to write it. Mm -hmm. So basically, I'm trying to do multiple projects in parallel. So as the artists finish it, I can you know I can launch it. Well, I'm you know I'm writing another story. So do you think your plan will be to continue to be the 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 artist of Dark of War, or do you think maybe? No, no. I, I issue six, I had someone else do, and issue seven, I'm having someone else do um, the art for. So no, I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to only do covers for Shark of War. My goal is to only do covers for Shark of War. I always do a kind of a Jaws tribute cover mm -hmm. um, to Shark of War. That those covers seem to do pretty well. Um, so I, I, my plan is that, that I'd like to just do, do a cover for each issue and let the interior art be done by somebody else. Cause the, the, if I do the art myself, 
I can't do anything else in the meantime. And it still takes me four or five months to finish the art on a single book. So, so if I, if I want to do more than one book and, and focus on other stuff and, and not you know, also have to work, you know, every night on it nonstop, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to keep using other artists. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Cause you know, a lot of times, um, there's a, you know, the, the philosophy that, uh, you, you have to get, you have to get started somehow sort of, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of times in like tech, they talk about like the minimum viable product, not to yeah. say that that's what shark of war was, but that was a way for you, um, to get started, um, uh, put something out and, and then evolve into this situation where you, you have this, uh, shark of war verse, you're bringing in different, um, creators to to work on it and it seems like you've shifted into the role that you might have envisioned yourself at um when when you got the bug to start creating comics was to sort of be the the creator um organizer of this this universe and and the writer so um, that's a pretty cool um way to go about it thanks yeah Awesome. So you're a veteran of Kickstarter. Um, your, your books have all gone to Kickstarter before, um, mm-hmm. all the Shark of Wars and the, the Cthulhu Man. Um, is there anything you're doing different in, um, on this Kickstarter campaign or you sort of have a tried and true method of, of things that you like to do for, for your Kickstarters at this point? Well, at this, at this point, now that I'm not, um, you know, now that I'm breaking into different you know, uh, storylines out of instead of Shark of War. I've been trying mm-hmm. to do an ash can for each of my my books before. Okay, as part of the Kickstarter. So for the Cthulhu Man and the Vicious Vixens, I created an ash can, which is basically in this case the first nine pages of the story, um, all complete. Um, the uh, the artwork, the you know the cover arts uh, in it, and so it's and character little character write-ups of each of each of the women um that people can can read basically try before they buy mm-hmm. um so i i basically have a link to it on the kickstarter so not only can anybody read shark of war one completely free they can also read the ash can and read the first nine pages of the comic book and see if they'll if they think they'll like it um so that's kind of the thing i've been doing um for, for books now that I'm, you know, that are, are not Shark of War where people have already, you know, where I can give out the full issue one, I want to get mm-hmm. a good preview. Um, so that I usually have had to work with the artist to make sure the first eight, eight, eight or nine pages are done, put that, uh, that as Ash King. Um, the other thing for this book, I am kind of pleased with my video. Um, you know, you're supposed to have a video for Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for the most part, you know, I, I do it and I don't think it's great. And I don't know if it matters much because I don't think many people watch them. They just want to know that you, you have a video, yeah. that you have a good video, but this one, I actually think I have a pretty good video um, because I, I, you know, one of my, you know, online friends, Lori Calcaterra, um, she's a podcaster. She actually did the voice of one of the characters for that video so so instead of you know me talking and showing you know just showing art it's basically a a, a slideshow with her doing the voice of, of one of the women to introduce everybody and stuff um in character so i thought that was a pretty cool little uh little video clip 
I keep telling people to watch it. You know, I don't know how many people watch it because when I look at my Kickstarter stats, it doesn't seem like many people, you know, percentage wise, the people who go on the page, many of them are watching the video, but the ones who do watch it, almost all of them have completed it. Um, oh, okay. Which is a, unusual because normally I see people, you know, watch 25% of my videos or, or some, some fraction of people complete the videos, but this one, almost everybody who starts it finishes it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Lori's been on uh, this podcast a few times to talk about, but talk about her book. So that's awesome that you guys sort of teamed up to, to work on this. And yeah, I know um, myself with Kickstarter videos, I don't know necessarily that I, that I watch a lot um, as somebody who's sort of in the, in the sphere. Um, yeah. It's, it's a lot of it is like, all right, I know that I know that person. Um, I like that book the Kickstarter's there, I'm going to jump into it. But for people who might be newer to Kickstarter, the videos are probably uh, a little bit more um, informational, enticing, enticing for those folks that um, mm -hmm. might have just stumbled upon it or just figured out that Kickstarter is a, a platform to, to go and check out cool indie books. Right. Cool. So, um, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I know you talked about the the video is something that you're, you know, you're super happy and proud of and that you worked on. Um, if I'm listening to this or if I see this campaign, um, I'm assuming you have, uh, you know, back catalog, both digitally and in print on, on in this uh, campaign. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can get not only can you get my uh, you, you can get all my base editions. You, I'm not only I've got variant covers of, for this campaign um, that I think are pretty cool, but you can also get all my past issues of Shark of War, the Cthulhu Man. I think I, I, I offered my, uh, my, all my base issues as, a, as one reward tier um, mm -hmm. at, a, at both digitally and hard copy at, at pretty good, uh, you know, as good a price as I think I could do. Um, Cause I, especially for the, uh, the hard copy, cause I really like it when people, you know, get physical copies of my books because I think people that get physical copies are much more likely to actually read them. Uh, I think a lot of us back digital copies and get them. And they go into some some folder in our computer and don't, don't always get read. So um, so I, I really prefer that people actually get the hard copy. I can get, get the hard copy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I have to admit, I probably fall into that trap as well as that. If, if I get a physical book, it goes in the, the to read pile and it's sort of a visual reminder of either, you know, like my nightstand or in my studio that I got yeah. these books to read. But it's a lot of like, you know, I might be on the go, look at my phone and go, oh, oh cool. I got that digital issue. I'll get back to that at a later date. And then sort of, you know, my I go on with my day and I forgot that, oh, hey, that thing came through. So, yeah, I agree that people who um, back physically are more likely to probably to, to, to read, but it's also good to have the digital alternative. Um, you, you and I are similar in age and that's probably um, why we enjoy, you know, physical print media where like younger kids uh, are probably more used to, you know, reading on their tablet, consuming right. digital media. So that's, that's good to have, you know, both of those options. And also, Digital is really easy to fulfill. Um, uh, you know, once the campaign is over, if your book is is done, you know, you can 
uh, upload that PDF and, mm-hmm. and shoot that out to all your backers. So it's really easy to fulfill um, that way as, as well. So it's, it's good to have that. Um, so we're, re- we're recording here. This is um, late June. When is the, uh, the end date for, for your campaign? Uh, July 20th. The July 20th. Did you do a uh, 30 day campaign or I think it worked out to like 29 because I 29. wanted to start on a I wanted to attend on a Thursday. I I've had campaigns end on the weekend before and I never mm-hmm. like it because you know I'm I'm out, I'm busy or I'm doing something on the weekend or and I can't like you know do as much last minute stuff necessarily. Um so I wanted to I, I was ready to start on a Wednesday, ready to finish on I wanted to finish on a Thursday, so 29 days is how I think is what came out to. Yeah, that, I think that's a good. I think that's a good, um, good philosophy that you have. I've noticed myself that sort of uh, weekends, uh, especially weekends in the middle of the campaign, can be a bit of a dead period. You know, yeah. people are out enjoying their weekend. They might not be sitting down in front of their laptop and, you know, checking their emails or, or and stuff like that. So I, I agree with you. Um, sort of starting and ending um, in the, in, on a weekday is probably, probably for the best. Yeah, I, I think so. So I, I know that um, you, you have a newsletter. Is that, is that correct? Oh yeah. Every, every week or so more frequently, probably when I'm actually running a Kickstarter I send out an email um, to to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it seems you're probably taking the traditional routes that a lot of the us indie creators, you know, posting on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here we are on the on the podcasting tour, and then you have the the mailing list. Are you looking at any of your analytics and figuring out what is uh, most uh, effective for you right now? Well, the Kickstarter claims that almost all my uh, my my backers come from Kickstarter. If you look mm-hmm. at their stats page, um, I don't believe that. <laughs> I think because I I know my my percentage of returning backers is 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 such that it that that would out, outweigh you know a lot of Kickstarters claim, but somehow they they think it comes through their links. Okay. Um, so so my my feeling is it's I'm almost certainly my email list. Um, I, you know, sometimes I'm not sure how much I get from Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at all. I think I get a few, but mm-hmm. I think those are just, you know, you know, luck of the draw because not enough people see those posts, even though, you know, my, my Facebook page, my group, you know, my, my pay, business page, Shark Comics as has like 3,500 followers. I, I suspect that only a small fraction of see any of my posts especially if it has a, a link to a kickstarter in it um, yeah i'm posting a you know an exciting shark picture it, it seems like everybody sees it if i'm posting a link to my kickstarter you know it's like 50 people see it if i'm lucky oh wow yeah i you and i are both uh members of the the comics launch uh group mm-hmm. and you know we've 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 been taught and and we've learned that 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 email list and that email communication is 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 key because as you were stating like you know you fire off a tweet and you know somebody might scroll through and see it um you know the the chances are uh, chances maybe not that uh, that great facebook post instagram post sort of the same thing but you know 
getting into somebody's email or getting somebody on your email list as that sort of direct, um, that direct sort of contact that, you know, you know, we all look at open rates, but it's, it's a much more effective way to, to, to get your, your project out to, to your fans. Uh-huh. So do you have something, I know you mentioned earlier that you can read the first shark of war on the, on the Kickstarter and the ash can to, to get people to sign up for your mailing list. Do you, do you have anything to, to entice them to, to come on the mailing list? Oh yeah. I, I have the, the shark of war issue one and two actually on oh, my, wow. the people on my mailing list. And uh, I have the ash can for both the vicious vixens and the Cthulhu man. Um, I have a couple other other cute little things like there's a, uh, a a template that you can print out and make a paper shark toy. Yeah, that's um, cool. That uh, that you can do. I used to have a mask, but I can't. I with with the end of COVID, I <laughs> a, a mask template. With the end of COVID, I I kind of mix that. But yeah, the, the you get you get several of my issues. Oh, I have a. Uh, I also have it my my guide for avoiding a shark attack. Um, nice. It's like it's a four-page guide. Uh, it's how to avoid a shark attack, and then what to do if you actually do get attacked by a shark. Um, both of which are incredibly unlikely to happen to you. But it, when I've been at cons, you know, and I I start you know asking people if they like sharks, they're like, "No, I'm terrified. I haven't gone in the ocean since Jaws came out." And I, you know, <laughs> that was like 50 years ago, and I'm like, yeah. "Okay." So I I thought. You know, for fun, I would do a humorous uh, "How to Avoid a Shark Attack" guide using uh, using advice from uh, the um, University of Florida Museum of Natural History. Well, without giving away everything, what's what's probably the the number one tip if if you get attacked uh, attacked by a shark? You want to uh, you want to maintain well. You want to get out of the water as quickly as possible. You want to maintain your 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 face in front of them so you can uh, you can uh, they can't because they sharks will try and get behind you if they're attacking. Okay. Uh, you want to avoid wearing jewelry in the water because they they mistake flashing you know um, jewelry as as uh, as fish. Because yeah, they, I would see like, maybe like the how the scales like might yeah. pick up light and stuff like that. Yeah. And it, okay. Yeah, it, looks, it gives you a scale, and of course, if you you get cut or you know any kind of blood, you want you want to get out of the water real quick. Um, Awesome. So, you know, we, we, we've talked about this. Um, we've talked about some of the other projects. Um, one of the questions I like to ask people when they're on the, the on the podcast, when they're doing a Kickstarter, I like to ask them what sort of Kickstarter runner they are. Do they do they check the, the page every 30 seconds or are they able to um, uh, do you like, uh, you know, go do your day job and maybe go out and hang out with some friends and then check in and be like, oh, that's that's where we are right now. Um, how, I, how I, wish I, I wish I had that willpower. Uh, I keep telling myself I'm going to be the latter kind of person, but I, I usually wind up being the former and I'm checking multiple times a day um, oh. how, how it's doing, where it's at. You know, if I if I fund if I was one of those people who funded on day one, maybe I could get myself to do less of that. But you know, when you're when you're kind of funding toward the end, yeah, you know, it's it's a little more, you know, you're a little more tense about it. So so yeah, usually I I check more than once a day. 
Uh, well, I, I, uh, I, I always sort of feel a, a commonality with, with somebody who comes on and, and says that because I am a, a check multiple times a, a day. The, the people who are like, oh, I, I'll just come back later and see where it's at and where like, I'm like, oh man, I wish I had that sort of, <laughs> that sort of uh, laissez-faire attitude about it. But I'm like, you know, one, you know, we're all excited to, to, to get this book or our books made. And so part of it is like, how many people can I reach? And, you know, the more people I can reach the, the, and the more people I can get to, to back the most, the more likely I'm going to hit that funding goal. I'm going to get to pay everybody on the, on the creative team. So yeah, uh, I'm certainly one of those people that, that checks all the time. Cool. Well, Ben, it's been, it's been great catching up with you. Oh, thank um, you for having me. Yeah, let's let's do this as we as we close up. You know, we talked about the books, we talked about this book that's currently on Kickstarter, and we mentioned some of your your social media. Um, where would be the best places to to follow you online to you know follow this project? And also, we want to make sure that we're able to to keep up with the the Shark of War universe here. Well, the easiest would be to go to bitingcomics.com. That's B I T I N G C O A. Mm -hmm micscom and sign up for my emailing list and you'll immediately get links to you know to read some of my comic books check out that uh, that shark guide i mentioned um so that's the easiest thing um the other the other places i am on facebook my facebook page is shark comics and on twitter i'm dlacy1 i don't tweet a lot i use facebook more probably mm -hmm. for for posting stuff um and of course, the Kickstarter itself is vixens.bitingcomics.com. Um, people can, that's the, the shortened, the shortened version um, where people can, can check out the Kickstarter itself, yeah. check out that video I mentioned. And of course, there's, there's instantly opening, opening links to the, to Shark of War One and to the, uh, to the Vixens Ashcan that you can, you can read right now on your computer. Very cool. Well, I'm going to link all of that stuff in the in the show notes to make it as easy as possible for for anybody listening. Awesome. You know, we're going to have we're we'll have the web pages, we'll have your social media, and and certainly the 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 Kickstarter. Um, but Ben, it's been it's been great. Um, you know, learning about this. Um, you know, I've I'm a, a fan of Shark of War. I have to admit, Cthulhu Man is still in my to read pile, but I, I'm going to get there. Um, but it's been awesome. Um, you know, let's uh, let's plan to to get together and talk about this, uh, or you know, talk about comics whenever anything new you have uh, coming out. Um, I'm really excited. I want to encourage everybody to to check out this Kickstarter. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, no problem. So there's also going to be a couple of other uh, Kickstarter links in the show notes. There'll be a Kickstarter link for the Cosmic Cave Van that is written by Noah. My podcast and co-host that couldn't be here on this episode um but i would like everybody to encourage everybody to check that one out as well and there will be a preview link uh previews uh the the system that allows uh comic book shops to to order comics um there'll be a previews link for dying days which is a book that i wrote noah's lettering that and that is coming out from red five comics uh in previews now um, as we're recording this, um, it is June 2023. I believe the FOC is July 18, 
2023. So uh, please check that out. If you want to follow our podcast, we're on Twitter, and that is at ConstructComPod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. I want to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.